Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's the first primary of the 2020 race. Could it also be someone's last primary? The lead starts right now. Live free or die. In just a few hours, New Hampshire voters will get their say in the presidential contest as the leading Democrats attack one another about who is best to trounce Trump. From a Friday night massacre to a Twitter meltdown, President Trump now insulting senators who dared to cross him in the impeachment trial. One of them, Democrat Joe Manchin, is here to respond as another senator remains firmly planted on the president's good side. Senator Lindsey Graham attacking impeachment witnesses as part of a conspiracy and pushing the dirt Giuliani's bringing from Ukraine. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We're just hours away from the first votes in the first of the nation primary, and that's our 2020 lead today. This afternoon, Senator Bernie Sanders from neighboring Vermont and Pete Buttigieg officially called for a re-canvas in parts of Iowa as they fight for a decisive win in New Hampshire. Today, Sanders unleashing new attacks against Buttigieg, who he clearly sees as his main competition in the Granite State, and suggested Buttigieg is getting his campaign advice from his wealthy donors. The former South Bend mayor hit back, accusing Sanders of being divisive and unable to unite the party. Former Vice President Joe Biden is launching his own attacks, hoping to avoid another really underwhelming finish. But as CNN's Ryan Nobles reports for us now, Biden's campaign now seems to be lowering expectations even lower than they already were. The sprint is on in New Hampshire. We're going to have to bring our party together in order to beat Donald Trump. The Democratic candidates in a mad dash across the state, making their final pitch to voters and opening new lines of attacks on their rivals. And he's a good guy. He's a great mayor. But guess what? He was a mayor. Former Vice President Joe Biden downplaying the experience of former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Come on, man. You think these guys, this guy's not a Barack Obama. Buttigieg quickly firing back on CNN State of the Union. Well, he's right. I'm not. And neither is he. But it's not just Biden. The message of this campaign is us, not me. Senator Bernie Sanders is attempting to hold off a Buttigieg surge by knocking the wealthy donors funding the former mayor's campaign. You can see candidates conferring with their donors. You are my donors. We don't go to rich people's homes and get advice from millionaires and billionaires. For his part, Buttigieg knocking Sanders for being too divisive. This is a moment for bringing as many people as we can into the picture. But a picture where your only choices are between a revolution or the status quo is a picture where most of us don't see ourselves. The Sanders-Buttigieg matchup here coming on the heels of their razor-thin contest in Iowa, where the final outcome remains unresolved. The Iowa Democratic Party released results Sunday that show Buttigieg earning 14 national delegates to Sanders' 12. 
Today, both the Sanders and Buttigieg campaigns each filed a formal request with the state party for a partial re-canvas of precincts they believe were calculated incorrectly. We have a newcomer in the White House, and look where it got us. I think having some experience is a good thing. And while the leading contenders battle it out, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, hoping to capitalize on her strong debate performance, breaking in more than $3 million since Friday night. If you are someone that has to make that decision about filling your refrigerator with food or filling a prescription, I know you and I will fight for you. And in an event that just wrapped up here behind me in Hudson, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders continuing to keep the pressure on Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden and their wealthy donor base. And now Sanders using it as a way to raise money himself, sending out an email solicitation to his supporters, telling them he needs all the money he can get to keep up with the super PACs, supporting his two biggest rivals in this race right now. Jake. All right, Ryan, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Let's chat about this. Hillary Rosen, you're the Democrat at the table. Let me ask you. Who has the most to lose here today? In uh, tomorrow's in New, vote? In, in, yeah, in tomorrow's vote in New Hampshire. Well, Elizabeth Warren, really, because it's her, you know, next door uh, neighbor. And for throughout this campaign, what she and, and, you know, reporters and pundits have been talking about is New Hampshire is her her spot. You know, Iowa was always Bernie's. South Carolina was always going to be Biden's. And New Hampshire was supposed to be Elizabeth. So I do think that. She has more pressure than anybody else. And do you think, Tulu, if Biden comes in third or even fourth or fifth, he can keep going? I mean, he's been long talking about how South Carolina, with its large uh, African-American vote, yep. is, is his, not to mention the Super Tuesday states. Not a big deal if he comes in fourth or fifth? The problem for Biden is that he needs to continue raising funds and being able to fundraise his campaign yeah. and South Carolina looks further and further away when you start burning through the cash that you have on he, hand. He has enough money to get through South Carolina. He has enough money to, to get past Nevada and to South Carolina. That is going to be his either his firewall or his burning building. I mean, it's it, it's going to be one or the other because and, and I think whether or not the African-American vote holds with him, whether or not you know, um, um, middle-class voters hold with him. I, I think that's going to be the test, and his supporters will stick with him through South Carolina. And Jackie, just take a look. Yeah. Uh, Biden's deputy campaign manager, Kate Bettingfield, seemed to be lowering expectations today, saying, quote, regardless of what happens tomorrow night, we're going to continue with our on with our plan to compete hard in Nevada, South Carolina, Super Tuesday, uh, and beyond. Still, I have to say, like, if he comes in fifth behind... Sanders, Buttigieg, Warren, Klobuchar. Yeah. I mean, that's really, it hasn't happened yet, but that would be really bad. And all of these, all, Biden's base is watching this. Um, those African-American voters that he has pinned his hopes on are watching this. We have already seen it in this national Quinnipiac poll that came out today, where you're seeing Bloomberg getting a second look. Bernie Sanders starting to peel away some of that support um, that had been so rock solid through this process for Joe Biden. Momentum matters. And, you know, Joe Biden himself tried to downplay what was going to happen in New Hampshire during the New Hampshire debate. Yeah. And it, you, you, you can do that. But, you know, those results do matter in how people are when they're picking a winner. But if Sanders comes close to winning in Iowa and wins the popular vote there, he's mm -hmm. just a couple delegates behind right now. And then he goes on to win New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty strong start. I mean, how, how do Democrats who don't want him to be the nominee stop him? <laughs> Well, they're going to need to collapse the field into a choice between the progressive left and a more moderate candidate. That always seems like it was going to be the choice for Democrats. And I just, you know, as a Republican at the table, I just look at this and wonder, 
is electability the most important thing in a general election? Because if you believe that, you would learn the lessons from the 2018 midterm elections where moderate Democrats beat Republicans in red areas. And to me, that naturally speaks to someone like Pete Buttigieg, certainly not Bernie Sanders. And I can tell you, I see more Republicans willing than ever to give Democrats a look, a moderate Democrat, a chance. But if the Democrats say, we're going to go for it with Bernie Sanders, you are leaving all that potential support behind. You know, Amanda raises an interesting point, which Democrats are struggling with, which is, Mm -hmm. is 2016 our model or is 2018 our model? In 16, the view was the base didn't get excited enough about Hillary Clinton and therefore didn't turn out. And so this, you know, Bernie Sanders line is like, vote for me, I'm going to excite the base. In 2018, it was about ideology. My sense is these voters are actually not focused on ideology. Mm-hmm. They're very focused. You know, this this constant um, line we have about the moderate lane and the progressive lane. I, you know, I was in Iowa. I have been in New Hampshire. People are not that focused on ideology. They're just focused on beating Donald Trump. And that calculation is actually different in every one of these key states that we're going to um, compete in. And let's not sleep on uh, Amy Klobuchar. I mean, yeah, Amy Klobuchar right. had a strong debate performance. Her campaign says she's raised more than $3 million just since Friday night's debate. Uh, she is surging, and it's a good time to be surging. Yeah, she had that finish in Iowa, which was fourth place, kind of far behind the back. But she was close, uh, very close to Joe Biden. She uh, talked about how she did better than expectations. She came into New Hampshire with a bounce. And that debate performance seems to be sort of giving her a little bit more pep in her step. And she could shock some people tomorrow night. We've already seen some movement in the polls. And if she does that, she could have a very strong argument for that moderate lane where she can uh, compete with Pete Buttigieg, someone that she has contrasted herself in terms of her record and how much she's, she's been able to get done. It's a very uh, favorable argument for for her and it could help her in trying to uh, take up that lane. She Amanda certainly has the most to gain. Yeah. Amanda, sure. as the Trump skeptical Republican mm-hmm. uh, whose mind is open to potentially voting for a Democrat, but not Bernie Sanders, it sounds like. No. Who do you prefer of, not that this is how Democrats should pick their candidates, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious, who do you prefer between Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Biden, who are three kind of in this moderate so-called lane? I mean, honestly, probably Pete Buttigieg because he speaks in a way that I think is respectful to Republican views. I mean, that's a big thing. And I think about the contrast between someone like him and Donald Trump, who, you know, Donald Trump, I agree with a lot of his policies, but man, you get out of line and he is in your face. I feel like people could have a conversation with Pete Buttigieg and we may not come to the same conclusions, but he would be willing to hear a Republican out in a way that I think Donald Trump doesn't. All right, everyone stick around. We've got lots more to talk about proof. President Trump does not listen to anyone, not even the Republican senators who had his back in the impeachment inquiry. That story next. Then it's one of the largest hacks ever exposing the personal information of hundreds of millions of people. And now we're learning who may have been behind the Equifax hack. Stay with us. In our politics lead today, President Trump can't quit Mitt. Earlier today, the president spoke with the nation's governors, and here's what he had to say to Utah Governor Gary Herbert about Utah Senator Mitt Romney, the lone Republican in the Senate who voted to remove the president. How's Mitt Romney? You keep him. (laughs) We don't want him. President Trump on his vengeance tour after getting acquitted and firing two key impeachment witnesses from their administration jobs, as well as the brother of one of the witnesses. And as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports for us now, the president may just be getting warmed up. Today, the White House is standing by the abrupt firing of two key witnesses in the impeachment inquiry. They were fired. They were moved back to their original jobs. President Trump has continued his streak of vengeance, 
claiming Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vindman deserved to be fired because of poor performance reviews while on the National Security Council, though his attorneys called that obviously false. CNN has learned that before they were let go, both Vindman and EU Ambassador Gordon Sundland were quietly planning to leave the administration. But Trump didn't want them going quietly and fired them instead. Officials still claim it wasn't retaliation. The president wanted to retaliate because of the testimony. That testimony happened, was it in November or December? It's quite a while ago now. In light of the firings, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer today called on the nation's inspectors general to protect whistleblowers, telling the Pentagon Vindman was viciously attacked for bravely stepping forward to tell the truth. The president is still lashing out at those he can't fire, continuing his onslaught against Utah Senator Mitt Romney, who broke with the party and voted for impeachment. How's Mitt Romney? You keep him. <laughs> we don't want him. Today, Trump also touted his administration's $4.8 trillion budget proposal that features major cuts and eligibility changes in federal safety net programs like Medicaid, food stamps, and disability claims while boosting military spending. We're, uh, we're going to have a very good budget with a very powerful military budget because we have no choice. Okay. Now, of course, Jake, that budget is largely meaningless. It's a political document. It's not actually going to go anywhere. But this all comes as the president is going to have his first rally here in New Hampshire tonight since he was acquitted. Of course, this is the first state that actually gave the president a big victory in 2016. And we are being told by officials to expect him to make impeachment a cornerstone of his 2020 pitch to voters and expect him to be unrestrained tonight, Jake. All right, Caitlin Collins with the wings, live and let die, playing behind her. Thank you so much. Uh, let's chat about this. So, um, uh, Tolu, uh, there is this push, this spin by Trump people that, oh, no, he didn't fire anybody. They were on their way out anyway. But right after President Trump uh, fired Sondland and uh, had Vindman reassigned from the National Security Council, his son, Donald Trump Jr., tweeted this. Allow me a moment to thank, and this may be a bit of a surprise, Adam Schiff. Were it not for his crack investigative skills, President Trump might have had a tougher time unearthing who all needed to be fired. Thanks, Adam. So, I mean, it, it's pretty clear what this was all about. Yeah, this is sort of the Trump two-step where he tweets something that may be a little bit ambiguous that most people know what he's talking about. And then his uh, administration officials come out and say, no, he's not actually, he doesn't actually mean that. He means something different. And then eventually either the president or someone close to him spills the beans and says, actually, yeah, this is what I meant. And I think it's pretty clear to anyone who's watching is that the, that the president was waiting for his acquittal to get rid of and to target people he thought were disloyal, even targeting the brother of a witness who no one in the White House has said why he was marched out of the White House, the brother of uh, Alexander Vindman, someone who was not testifying, who was not part of this Ukraine scandal in any major way. Uh, he was marched out of the White House unceremoniously, even though he's a veteran as well. So this is clear that the president is on a revenge tour. And uh, as Caitlin said, there's a sense that more people could uh, get caught up in this as well. Can I just say a word about John Bolton? John Bolton has left so many people in this administration out to dry by just hiding in silence. He was the one who told people like uh, Fiona Hill to go talk to the lawyers when they saw wrongdoing. There were people at OMB who resigned over the Ukraine hold. Um, you know, Vindman, he testified to Congress. He was subpoenaed. He was, just, he was performing his duty. And meanwhile, John Bolton is just out there waiting to sell a book, apparently. At some point, you know, I expect Senate Republicans to not really do anything. But John Bolton seems to know better. And he's still keeping his mouth shut and letting it happen. And there has been this campaign on the president's favorite channel to smear 
Vindman, to go after Vindman, uh, to insult him with gossip and all sorts of mm-hmm. smears. So it's not just enough that he's being reassigned from the National Security Council to some sort of Pentagon job. They're also looking to destroy his reputation. Well, they started that on the dais during the mm-hmm. during his testimony. You saw the exact same thing happen to Maria Ivanovich um, and her pushing back on it and other diplomats saying, how could you do this to someone who's been such a long public servant? And you're hearing that again for Vindman in that community. Now, whether it matters to Trump supporters, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. And this is but this is a new this is a part of the Trump era. Um, but that, that, that this slander of the enemy is after the fact that the Trump supporters are not my audience for this message, though. Right. And I agree with you about John Bolton. But, you know, just like those attacks on John McCain prior to the 2018 election really bothered those suburban women in Philadelphia attacking Colonel Vindman, attacking um, Mitt, Romney. Uh, Mitt Romney. You know, I mean, Mitt Romney's not the hero that John war hero that John McCain was, but he you know, he is a patriot. And I think people see them that way. I, I don't think this is going to play well. I think that this is ongoing. I don't think people care about a Portland developer and Gordon Sunland, But I do think attacking men in uniform, attacking senators for doing their jobs. I don't think that's going to play but, well. And I think that we should focus less on whether or not people will punish Donald Trump for it and more about how this becomes part but of this that keep, story. But this keeps more people silent who might come out. This has an intimidation chilling effect that is going to perhaps point. other people who might yeah. want to come Other forward. potential whistleblowers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Republican senators were, were sending a message to President Trump, don't fire <laughs> Gordon Sondland. He's going to leave in a month anyway. And of course, that's not what happened. Right. I do want to play this sound. Senator Mitt Romney uh, facing backlash. Uh, here is Matt Schlapp, the, organ, uh, the chairman of the Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, talking about Romney not being invited to the CPAC conference. We won't credential him as a conservative. I suppose if he wants to come as a non-conservative and debate an issue with us, maybe in the future we would have him come. This year, uh, I would actually be afraid for his physical safety. People are so mad at him. Afraid for his physical safety? You've been to CPAC. I've been to CPAC. Yeah, the first time I came to Washington was to attend CPAC. It was a formative, wonderful experience for me. And this is just bizarre land. Number one, Mitt Romney doesn't want to come to CPAC. Right. You got that match slap. Like, I don't yeah. think he's going to accept any invitation from you ever. And he shouldn't because you won't even guarantee his physical safety. So let's start there. But what does that even mean? Like, I, like if, the, the CPAC attendees... They're going to hurt Senator Romney. I mean, is it is it a threat? Is he just stating the obvious? Our our conservative attendees can't be trusted. That was for an audience of one. That speech, right? What he just said on TV was for an audience of one. Was for Donald Trump. Was you? I can be a bully. I can be your bully too. You know, you're not the only bully here. We all can be your bully. And I think that that you know is very transparent. And I don't think that it goes over well. And you know, coming in November, I think that. Jackie made the right point, though, earlier, which is we still have a long way to go with this presidency. A year can be a long time. You can do a lot of damage if whistleblowers do not feel safe to come forward. And if Congress is not able to protect them, if the inspector generals are not able to protect them, if they have to worry about things like Donald Trump outing them and his friends in the Senate outing them. That's I mean, a problem for America. Whistleblowers not feeling safe. He's talking about U.S. senators not feeling safe going into CPAC. His I mean, event. I mean, his own event. It's, uh, <laughs> we're in a strange, strange time. President Trump attacked him on Twitter, called him names, implied he is not so good on the reading comprehension thing. But Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia says he still likes the president. The senator will join us live to explain next. Stay with us. 
Today begins the first full week of the post-impeachment Trump presidency, but President Trump is still stewing, firing two key impeachment witnesses from their administration jobs and lashing out on Twitter and in speeches. Joining me now is one subject of those attacks, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Senator, it's good to see you as always. In good recent, to be with you, Jake. In recent days, the president has tweeted about you a couple times, calling you Joe Munchkin, insulting you, suggesting you wouldn't even be able to understand the transcript of that infamous July 25th call with President Zelensky. Why do you think your vote in particular has struck such a nerve with President Trump? Well, let's first start the name calling, basically, Munchkin. I guess that uh, I, I guess he's confused on that because I am a little bigger than him. He's got me about 30 pounds on weight, but I am a little taller than him. So that that shouldn't be uh, accurate. You're not there. a Munchkin. I'm That's not a Munchkin. That's fact check sure. true. OK. The other thing is, is that I think if you look, I voted with the uh, president and uh, with uh, bipartisan ways more than anybody, Jake, 56 percent of the time. So for me to say, Mr. President, this is wrong. This is wrong. You can't do this. You can't use a, a, a rogue proxy such as Juliana with our national policy and uh, threaten a poor nation that's trying to defend itself. I said, here's the superpower of the world, the most uh, the, the most powerful person, the president of the United States, calling the most inexperienced leader, Jake, and saying, hey, by the way, can you get involved in our politics here to help us a little bit and do something? Mm-hmm. Corruption, fighting corruption is fine, but not going as far as they went with it. So, so you, I think that's when I was, that took me over the top quicker than anything. You spent the weekend in West Virginia, your home state. President yeah. Trump has said that West Virginians are furious at you. Are they? Well, there's some always going to be. I mean, this is part of the game. You know, when you divide the country up the way he has, and I would say, Mr. Trump, uh, you don't need to be uh, a, a, chief, a uniter, a divider in a, a chief. Uh, he needs to be uniter in chief. He needs to be the head uniter for our country. So the country's split right now. So there are people that get upset. I explained to him, I've always said this, Jake, if I can go home and explain, I can vote for it. If I can't, I'll vote against it. I can explain this vote. The, the evidence was overwhelming the evidence we received. I thought that the president was going to defend himself when he got to the Senate. He said he wanted to have witnesses and on and on and on, and they took, they didn't take that course. They wanted us to accept that if it's the president does it, it's okay. The president is above the law. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't buy onto that. Uh, that's not who we are, and that's not who the framers wanted us to be, and it's not the way that, uh, if, you, if you read the Federalist 65, what uh, uh, Hamilton, how he labored over this one in, article, uh, the impeachment article. It was for this purpose, and I hope that maybe my vote can send a signal to the president. I still want to work with you. I want you to succeed, but we're in this together. There's a division here. We have three equal branches of government, Mm -hmm. and we're a democracy because of that. And I said, we have to have open and free elections. We can't have intervention of foreign entity any way, shape, or form. So that's where I am, and I, I, I wish he would have produced witnesses. I said, back home in West Virginia, if you accuse me of something, Jake, I can't wait to defend myself. I know I'm innocent. I want to defend myself. And here, I'll have so-and-so come and tell you and testify, and I'll bring you documents. Well, when you don't do that, that means it's either non-defendable or you already have the jury cooked, one of the two. Mm -hmm. President Trump just fired two key impeachment witnesses from their administration jobs, Vindman and Sondland, not to mention Vindman's brother. Uh, Chuck Schumer says this is uh, witness retaliation. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, how, how else can you determine anything else? Here's two people totally qualified. He did his job. Now, did he get fired because uh, they have a dossier on him, a fo- portfolio on him, showing that he didn't act in a professional manner, that he'd been in deficiency in some of his job relation? I don't know. I'd like to see that report. 
If that's not there, and they haven't built that over a period of time, showing he wasn't, he wasn't proficient, then the only, only conclusion you can make, Jake, is he got fired because of his being honest and coming forth as an American citizen and doing his job. Now, earlier in this conversation, uh, you criticized Rudy Giuliani and his rogue foreign policy. Yeah. You said before that those moves by Giuliani are horrible for the country. The Attorney General, Bill Barr, today confirmed that the Justice Department is receiving information from Giuliani uh, about the Bidens or whoever originating in, in Ukraine. Um, do you have any concerns about that? Well, sure, I have concerns. If they're treating it any different than any other American would bring information that they think would be harmful to the United States of America and our way of life. If that's being treated differently with higher priority and, and they're taking it more verbatim, then that would be very troublesome. So uh, I, I don't know that to be a fact. I would like to talk to Attorney General Barr myself uh, and uh, see what, uh, how they're operating and how they're really receiving the information and how they're going through it to see if it has legitimacy or not. I want to ask you, the, the White House uh, released its uh, 2021 budget request, yeah. uh, which outlines proposed cuts to, to food stamps, Medicaid, affordable housing, other safety net programs. Now, this is just a, a priority list. It's not like it's going to automatically become law. But if this budget from President Trump were to be implemented, how might that impact the people of West Virginia? Well, you know, in our state, we, we've, uh, we're the hardest working and we've been hit the hardest of any state. Uh, we've always done the heavy lifting. So these types of programs that have been a necessity, especially with the opioid epi epidemic that we have and the children, we have homeless children, we have children that basically are, are nutrition to them comes at the schools in the hands of us. And if you can't give a child a start, God help us all. So the only thing I haven't seen the full, our staff is breaking it down now. I haven't seen the, the president's full request. But I always said this, when I was governor and I used to put a budget for it, the budget that you put forward represents your values, who we are as a people, where the priorities in our life are. And if the priorities, have, as far as it is not in the human element that makes us the people that we are in America and the compassion that we have for others, then I don't know what to tell you about that. And I haven't seen it, but I'm understanding the cuts would be devastating in many, many areas. I'm hoping that we'll reverse that. But usually these budgets are dead on arrival anyway, so we'll go from there. I want to ask you about the election in November. The Iowa Democratic Party says that your colleague, Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, won the popular vote and came in a close second in terms of uh, delegates in uh -huh. Iowa. He could win New Hampshire tomorrow. What would that mean to you if Bernie Sanders is the Democratic nominee for president? Well, I think we have a long way to go. But, you know, we just have to see who comes out of us, the, 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 the strongest and the fittest. You take a look and go from there. But Bernie, the, the thing about Bernie, and I've known Bernie for quite a while now, Bernie is the same person he is today as he was when I met him 10 years ago. He's never changed. And if that's resonating, then there's got to be a middle somewhere because Bernie is taking you to where your deep conscience is and thinking, yeah, people haven't been treated fair. People have been left behind. Boom, boom, boom. But maybe his fixes aren't something that's palatable to all of us. We would do it differently. We've had this conversation, Bernie and I, before. I said, Bernie, as far as free education, I think any person needs an education in America ought to have a pathway of earning it without having debt, but they've earned it by getting good grades and basically graduating on time. And there's the carrot and the stick can work. But uh, so we have, a, we, we identify the problems. We just have different solutions for them. And I think that we have to wait and see what uh, the other uh, states do in the caucuses. And, and I guess in the primaries coming up, Super Tuesday will be a telltale for a lot of people. Would you support Sanders over Trump if it came down to that? Well, you know, we'd have to see where we are at that time there. Uh, Sanders, I can tell you one thing. He's got a good heart and he wants to do the right thing. 
his solution for fixing it might not be palatable, might not be something doable, I'll have to see. Who knows, Bernie might change and moderate just a little bit from now to then, who knows. All right, West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, thank you so much for your time, sir. Always good to see you. You too. Thank you, Jake. What Senator Lindsey Graham is appearing to do now to curry favor with the president. Stay with us. And we're back with the politics lead Attorney General Bill Barr today, confirming that the Justice Department is open to information or misinformation or disinformation from Rudy Giuliani about Vice President Biden and his son Hunter gathered in Ukraine But Barr did seem to deliver a word of skepticism. The DOJ uh, has the obligation to have an open door to anybody uh, who wishes uh, to provide us information that that they think is relevant. We have to be very careful in... uh, with, it, with respect to any information coming from the Ukraine. We can't take anything we receive from the Ukraine at face value. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, an outspoken ally of President Trump, first announced that the Justice Department was cooperating with Giuliani yesterday. CNN's Evan Perez joins me now. Evan, what exactly is the process in place to review Giuliani's claims? Is, it, is he getting information from Giuliani the same way any of us could submit information, or is it different? Uh, that's kind of what the Justice Department is suggesting, Jake, but that soundbite you just played is pretty much all we could get from the Attorney General before he made a, a quick exit from that press conference this morning. Uh, and so the best we can figure out is that they've set up a process whereby in a field office away from Justice Department headquarters, the Giuliani information can be looked at, can be vetted to see whether there's any there there. Uh, but as Bill Barr pointed out, uh, there's a lot of skepticism that any of this information that Giuliani has been uh, flogging for for months is of any value whatsoever. And Evan, uh, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham, also uh, yesterday defended the firing uh, in the administration of Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. He was uh, fired from the National Security Council. Uh, He's still in the military. This is after Vindman testified in the impeachment hearings under a subpoena. He was forced to testify. Right, exactly. He was there under subpoena. And Jake, he, uh, what uh, Lindsey Graham did was uh, equate what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman did with the behavior of some FBI agents and, and some investigators in the Trump-Russia investigation that have now come under scrutiny by the Justice Department. Take a listen to Lindsey Graham's comments. I appreciate his service, but there are FBI agents who took the law in their own hands. There are CIA agents who took the law in their own hands. There are Department of Justice lawyers who lied to the court. There's been a movement since President Trump was elected by people in our government to take him down. And Jake, obviously, these are far from the same thing. So it's a curious uh, comparison for the senator to make. Curious is a nice word for it. Evan Perez, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let's uh, talk about this. Uh, Amanda, Graham clearly is suggesting with zero evidence that Lieutenant Colonel Vindman is part of some deep state, deep state conspiracy. Vindman was called to testify. He was subpoenaed. And he, the crime he committed, and I put crime in quotes, is that he told the truth under oath. I mean, I'm just listening to those clips. Did impeachment happen? Did all that happen? Rudy Giuliani, what is he doing? What is Rudy Giuliani's role? Oh, nobody knows. He's a personal lawyer digging up dirt, and somehow he has direct access to the Department of Justice, even though he's currently under investigation himself. Yeah. And he's shoveling dirt on a political opponent. It's like the last three months never happened. Yeah, I mean, and and, uh, I remember, I mean, the weirdest thing about Lindsey Graham 
uh, being as obsequious as he is to President Trump and doing everything that Trump would want him to do is that there was a time when he was the exact opposite when they were running against each other. This is Lindsey Graham in 2015. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. He's putting uh, our soldiers and diplomats at risk. He's empowering the enemy. Who is that well, guy? That, well, that, that's before that his guy? feet was tied to the person that he's describing. I mean, in South Carolina, Trump is very popular. Uh, Lindsey Graham wants to continue to be a senator. And he also is that proximity to power. Uh, the more he is, um, you know, and we've seen this with, through lots of people, the more you're playing to the audience of one, the more you get in the door. You know, he's chairman of the Judiciary Committee now, so he actually has power. I mean, he, look, he's a lickspittle suck-up, right? I mean, there's just no question that he has this audience of one, as I said, with Donald Trump as well. What is frightening, though, is that the Department of Justice would actually engage in this, that you would have Bill Barr the attorney general actually signal the same sorts of things. And if you have the attorney general and the chairman of the Judiciary Committee essentially conspiring to do investigations of people for political revenge, those are those are powerful, outrageous things to do. And nothing has been learned by this president over the last three months. That's exactly right. We see what happens to people who say no, who stand up to the president, who do things that are different than what he wants. He has them frog marched out of the White House unceremoniously. And that's why we're seeing so many people willing to comply with some of these seemingly outrageous requests from the president to dig up dirt on political rivals, to look into conspiracy theories about crowd strike and whether the Democrats were in cahoots with Ukraine to take his campaign down. The people who know better, including Lindsey Graham, are willing to entertain some of these things, in part because they don't want to be uh, frog marched out of the party by President Trump. And what's also uh, interesting about this, as you point out, is that I don't think anybody begrudges President Trump thinking that Lieutenant Colonel Benman probably shouldn't be on his National Security Council anymore, given that they disagree about so many things. But to have him escorted off the White House grounds, I think that only happened with Omarosa uh, in the first uh, few months of the Trump presidency. It's, it's designed to humiliate. Everyone stick around. Pete Buttigieg is hoping for another top finish by going after a surprising group of New Hampshire voters. Stay with us. Make sure that every state in the union gets good. The 2020 lead, Pete Buttigieg, off a strong showing in Iowa, propelling his New Hampshire primary push. But the map alone presents a challenge. This is a backyard race for both Senator Sanders from Vermont and Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. And as CNN's Abby Phillip reports, it's the moderate message from Buttigieg that may work to his advantage for tomorrow, though perhaps not after that. It's a pitch former South Bend, Indiana mayor Pete Buttigieg makes at nearly every campaign stop. I think we are going to defeat this president by inviting everybody to be at our side and get this done together. And it's aimed at New Hampshire's famously independent voters like Jeffrey and Kathy Poston, who helped make up a whopping 40 percent of Democratic primary voters in 2016. We probably receive 10 to 15 calls a day uh, from campaigns. Four years ago, Senator Bernie Sanders' massive victory over Hillary Clinton was powered by independent voters. 
But this year, candidates like Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar are also competing for their support. But I add to that being able to bring in independents like you have in this state, as well as moderate Republicans, because there are so many of them out there that are looking for a candidate. The Granite State's unique primary means undeclared voters can either vote in the Republican or Democratic primaries. But this year, with President Trump running largely uncontested, the action is expected to be with the Democrats. At this point, I won't vote. Republican probably for a long, long, long time. The Democrats have me right now. They'll have company joined by what Buttigieg calls future former Republicans, soon to be former Republicans, future former Republicans. I see a few acknowledging right here. We are glad that you are here and you are welcome to be at our side in this struggle. In Iowa, Buttigieg performed well in areas that flipped from Obama to Trump. And here in New Hampshire, campaign aides say they're following up with former Republican voters who express openness to his message. Like Rick Mellon, a lifelong Republican who is now a registered independent in search of a candidate. I think that there's a few of them that really want to bring the country back together, get us back on, you know, a calmer, more sensible sort of direction. And with undecided independents like Kathy Batchelor, who after three years of Trump are looking for a change of tone. It's too negative. So I want to think positive. Yeah, we need to have some positivity in our life. Now, Jake, like in Iowa, where Buttigieg spent a lot of time in these so-called pivot counties that went from Obama to Trump, here in New Hampshire, over the last week, he spent about a third of his time in townships in New Hampshire that also voted for Trump. And I should also note that most of the voters who we spoke to said they were also considering Amy Klobuchar as one of their choices for tomorrow's primary. Jake. Hmm. All right. Abby Phillip in Manchester, New Hampshire. Thanks so much. In our health lead today, 97 people confirmed dead in just one day. Sunday marked the deadliest day since the start of the coronavirus outbreak. The global death toll now over 900, mostly in China. Total surpasses the total death toll for the SARS epidemic in 2003. The number of confirmed cases on the cruise ship docked south of Tokyo doubled overnight to 135. 24 of them are Americans. In Beijing, President Xi wearing a face mask while visiting a hospital and saying China will fight the deadly virus with confidence. In our tech lead today, the U.S. is blaming China for one of the largest data breaches in history, charging four Chinese intelligence officials with hacking Equifax, which exposed financial records of nearly half of all Americans, 150 million people. China has continued to ramp up its hacking efforts. Attorney General Barr today citing Anthem and Marriott and the Office of Personnel Management among China's recent targets. Coming up, the head of the Democratic National Committee talks about what's being done to avoid a repeat of Iowa. Stay with us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max. A new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country. 
Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.